In this episode, we listen to my new album, Third Act Problems, and I talk over it, thereby negating the experience of listening to it. We've done this before, but if you're new, it's the first time. I'm your host, Derek Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Hey there, Checkmates. It's your Uncle Derek coming to you on a day in St. Louis. I have no idea what the weather was like today. It's uh, I'm certain that we had some, but it really could have been anything. We're going to be doing a little bit of a different episode for you this week. If this is your first episode of Empty Checking, it's probably a weird foot in the door, but maybe you're here because you like my music career, in which case that makes a little bit more sense. Usually the show is a pop culture show where I talk about the stuff that I'm spending money on, thereby emptying out my checking account. That's the joke in the title that I keep getting emails about and comments on stuff. People keep asking, hey, what does empty checking mean? Would you mind explaining what empty checking means? I don't understand. It, I'm emptying my checking account. It's, it's empty because of the stuff I'm talking about on the show. Uh, sorry if that's you, but uh, come on, man. Anyway, uh, normally this is what that show is. I'm talking about the stuff that I've bought that has emptied out my checking account. It's pop culture stuff, and usually I talk about stuff I like. Every now and again, something I don't like as much slips through. Uh, this is going to be different. We're going to be talking about something that I spent uh, money on that was not exactly that. It was uh, my own album. I produced a new album here in uh, in March, actually, of this year. It's now April, as I'm recording this. And uh, the new album is called Third Act Problems, and I'm very pleased with it. And I've done this kind of show in the past where I've just sat and done essentially a commentary track over one of my albums, and we're going to do that again. I'm going to tell you about the influences that went into the album, some of the personal stuff connected to it, and stuff like that. We're going to sit here and listen to the album, well, I'm going to listen to it. You're going to hear it very faintly in the background in a way that completely ruins the experience of listening to the... Like, I, 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 my goal with this is to talk over the album in a way that makes you so frustrated that you go and, and download the album <laughs> because you want to hear it. Because, you know, it's it's frustrating to hear somebody talk over something you're trying to listen to. I get that. But I love commentary tracks and uh, podcasts and stuff like that. Good chance that you might, too. Uh, but I lost my train of thought. There are some websites you should visit if you're interested in the show. The show has a companion blog. Not going to be a lot on it this week, but there's a, a companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. It's available on your podcast app of choice, including the one that you're listening to it on now. If it's not on the one that you would prefer, let me know. Odds are it was, and someone changed their rules, and I didn't know. If you want to know more about me and my music career, go over to DerekBrink.com. If you like the music that you hear throughout the show, including the new album that you will barely hear throughout the show, uh, it's all available for absolutely free over at DerekBrink.Bandcamp.com. All you do is enter zero as your purchase price. I don't collect your email. I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. And if you want to talk to me, if you want to debate whatever I said, if you want to tell me you agreed with whatever I said, if you want to offer things for me to talk about, that kind of thing, if you want to email me, you can do that at db at derekbrink.com. Those are my initials, db at my name, derekbrink.com. That's, uh, that's all the business we got to do. Uh, I'm interested to hear this. <laughs> I've heard the album, but it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, I, as... As those of you who work in in music and have done you know, recordings uh, probably know, when you record an album for a while, it's all you're listening to. Like, you can't listen to anything else and enjoy it. You're just listening to your own stuff over and over and over again. It's burned into your brain, and you, and you know every moment of it. Uh, and then it gets released, 
and you completely stop listening to it. <laughs> and, and, you know, you'll come back, you'll circle back to it in a little while to see if you still like it. But uh, that's that's sort of where I've been the past couple of weeks. I haven't listened to it because I've it was all I listened to for so long. And I started listening to you too. Um, so that's, uh, I'm interested to hear it. Now that a couple of weeks have gone by, see if I still like it. See if I want to pull it off the <laughs> off the internet and burn the CDs. Uh, it is available over on the uh, over on the 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 uh, uh, Bandcamp page. I also have CDs, CD copies. I would be glad to give to you if we are in the same uh, room or general vicinity. I'd be glad to get one to you, put one in your hands, and you can see the booklet and all that stuff, and uh, uh, listen to the music, of course, as well. And the CDs are signed and stuff like that. Um, I don't have a lot else to say going into this. I mean, I guess I should talk a little bit about the album itself before we actually press play, because who knows what I'll have time for once we're going. Um, the album, I, I, I like this album a lot. I had a lot of fun writing it. I really enjoyed the process of working on it and the and the the you know process of of uh, writing it and all that stuff. And I, I just I got really into it this time, and I feel like uh, I feel like this album comes from a little bit more positive of a place than maybe the last uh, career uh, has, and uh, I just uh, this I've, I've been in a pretty good place as a person lately, and I think that comes through on the album a little bit. Not that the album doesn't have its down beats to it. Not that there isn't some sadness and stuff on the album. There are at least three songs about loss on the album, and yet I look back on this album and I think of it as, as a pretty as a pretty upbeat, pretty happy album for me, because uh, there's definitely some happy stuff going on in the album itself, and uh, we'll, we'll touch on some of that as we, as we get to it and as, as we listen to it. Uh, I, yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's the majority of it. Uh, I can talk about the cover a little bit. Go look at the cover on the, the podcast blog or at, at the Bandcamp. Uh, the cover is it, sort of in the style of Wes Freed, who did all of the albums for Drive-By Truckers, or most of the albums for Drive-By Truckers. Uh, sort of a hand-drawn, slightly ugly-looking, you know, but intentionally so, uh, drawing of uh, the front of a theater. And uh, uh, it's modeled loosely on the Tivoli Theater here in, in St. Louis, which is no longer in operation as a theater because some church bought it out and ruined it. And they don't show movies, or if they do, they certainly don't show them to the people who would, you know, pay to see them, who should be seeing them in a movie theater. They've probably gutted the place by now and taken out all the architectural wonders of it. Um, it made me sad to see that the Tivoli was going into the hands of some rando church, rather than still showing some of the best uh, indie movies that you could ask for, and some of the best you know, big attractions that you could ask for as well. I really miss the Tivoli. I love the Tivoli. I have a lot of great memories of the Tivoli. So much so that I, I intentionally tried to evoke kind of the, the front of it, kind of the marquee on, on this album uh, in the art. And there are other little things in there. There's a drawing of, like, my glasses and hat. There's a couple of little nods to my cats on the front of it. Um, what else? There's uh, uh, just little Easter eggy stuff like that throughout the album cover. Uh, I think that's it. We got 12 songs to get through, so why don't I, uh, shut up and press play, and then not shut up for the entire length of the album, and we'll get through those 12 songs. I think we'll, I think we'll have a good time here. So, we're going to press play in, uh, let's see, we'll, we'll start counting down in 3, 2, 1, 3, 2, 1. Are you feeling better yet? Okay, our opening track is a song that has a title uh, that is Forever Is Not Long Enough. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, opening songs are always kind of an interesting question mark for me because, you know, what, what do you want the first thing people to hear? You know, what, what, like, what should that be? Uh, in this case, I opted for kind of a transitional track from my previous album to this album. I start with a little bit of the vibe of the previous album, and then I'm going to go into a whole different like world in this uh, in this album itself. In fact, the very first thing that you hear is me saying, "Are you feeling better yet?" Which is the 
last lyric that you hear on my previous album, Happy Now. So that's it. I just kind of tied into that world and then brought you into a new world because that's that's sort of how I feel about this album. I feel like okay, out of all of that, out of what I had just written about on Happy Now and Almost Moving Backwards and uh, also Departure, kinda, uh, which was the instrumental album I put out at the start of the pandemic. Uh, coming out of all of that, we've got third act problems. This is where we are. Third Act Problems, of course, is a term that refers to in the theater, you might watch a play and say, yeah, it's pretty good, but it's got third act problems, which basically means eh, they need to work on the ending, you know? And that's that's sort of what the title is, just because that seems like a very Derek Brink album title, don't you agree? Uh, even if you don't, it is, because it's uh, it uh, literally is a Derek Brink album title. We've reached the part in the song now with a little piano breakdown, which is me very intentionally transitioning away from what I was doing in the first part of the song into a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a happy place here in the second half of the of the song a little bit more upbeat a little bit more energetic uh, there's more keys in there sounds a little prettier and uh, the 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 lyric is a little bit more positive and all that and uh, yeah it's it's yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, the, the song itself is just kind of a, a little uh, frantic love song. No real reason for that other than frantic love songs are one of the things that I do pretty well and pretty frequently, and uh, it just served as a pretty good opening track. And just sort of, there was so much uh, uh, negative on the last couple albums about the subject of love and about, I mean, the last two albums would be great breakup albums and I just kind of wanted to take this into a different direction on this album, so I started with a love song that is a love song and that is forward looking and that is you know, happy and you know, it's uh, uh, that's, that's an intentional move, is to start with a similar you know, subject as the previous album, previous couple albums, and then just take that subject into a little bit of a different direction. Just take it, just turn it a little bit, twist it, and, and do something a little bit different. And that's uh, that's sort of what I did with the opening track here. As far as you know, any other musical stuff, any any pop culture references or anything, not a lot to say there. It's just very, I mean, that's just a very Derek song. Uh, I mean, you know, there's a little bit of the Bob Moldy guitar playing that I do, but, you know. Brings us to track two, You and You Alone. Uh, I like this track a lot. Right up top, you hear the very Pete Townsendy guitar stuff happening, which meets up with the acoustic part, and the acoustic part is just sort of a warm-up thing that I do, sort of a right-hand warm-up that, that I've done fairly regularly for several years, and I just fell in love with the the feel of that warm-up part and thought, I can write a song around that. And then you hear the strings kick, kicking in here, the sort of keyboard strings, which if you pay a lot of attention to those strings, uh, they are referencing a Queen song, uh, but they're doing it in a way that is legally distinct from that Queen song. Uh, you can probably figure out what it is. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-
that really started to kind of come out of uh, just the fact that I'm a tragically hip fan, and one of the things I love about the hip was that the lyrics, particularly Gord Downey's lyrics, uh, are to say everything that they need to say in as few words as possible, and so many artists do that. U2 does that, whoever does that, and I, I you know, I, I like that, and I've never found myself doing that. I always try to cram in too many words, so I was intentionally, uh, says the guy who is running a podcast, I intentionally on this album tried to limit myself into just sort of, all right, let's keep this simple, let's keep the lyrics a little bit sparse and not, you know, and just let it breathe and let it, uh, let people find some of their own meanings in the words I didn't say. And this song's actually a really good example of that, because if you listen to the lyrics of this, if you read the lyrics to this, you probably think it's a Christian song, which, uh, well, I don't know about probably, but it's very possible that you do. But it wasn't really my intention for this song to be about God. It's fine with me if it speaks to you on that level. I'm not going to take away anybody's interpretation, but uh, that is not exactly what I was going for. Uh, but because so many people seem to be taking it that way, I'm not going to tell you what I was going for exactly. Because, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, I kind of like that this one's... You know, you can grab onto whatever you want to grab onto in this one. That that sort of makes me happy about it. That that a little bit means that I succeeded in my goal with the lyrics of leaving some room for your interpretation rather than very specifically in the lyric telling you exactly what the song is about, <laughs> as as I so often do. Uh, I, I yeah, I think that worked really well on on this song and in a couple places on the album. And we've got some more of that Townsendy guitar going. I, uh, I, I really leaned into the Townsendy aspect of the of the lead guitar, and then pushed the, the lead guitar way back in the mix. But uh, once I started playing the lead guitar part and sort of figuring it out, and I went, "Oh, I'm doing some Pete Townsend stuff," which I, you won't believe it, but I often try to avoid playing like Pete Townsend in my solo stuff because it would be very easy for me to just do a Who thing, and that's all I do. I, I tend to try to lean away from that, and it comes through anyway. But in this, in this, uh, in this particular song, I leaned into it heavily. Like I started hearing what I was playing, and I set down the guitar that I was playing, and I went back and picked up my Stratocaster with the whammy bar, and just leaned into like a Pete Townsend thing, because he's been playing a Strat for the past you know decade or so. And uh, yeah, I just I just leaned heavily into the Pete thing there. <laughs> and, but, you know, still had the Queen stuff happening, still had the Tragically Hip stuff happening, still had, you know, the bass is my uh, Getty Lee Fender Jazz, and I think you can kind of hear that in the tone. The bum, 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 bow, bum, 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 You know, there's... That has that nice Getty Lee pop to it. No effects, by the way. Well, uh, there's a slight delay effect, but no, uh, no real studio trickery on that long note at the end. I just I held the note that long. I didn't stretch it. I did throw some delay on there to make up for any waver in the note that might have been there. That uh, I don't know if it was there or not, but I did not uh, stretch that in any way. Fun fact. All my days. Okay, this song is a very. Frank Blackish song, like Frank Black and the Catholics, not so much the Pixies, but uh, like I could, I could see Frank Black or Black Francis or whatever the hell he calls himself now. His name's Charles Thompson. Whatever he calls himself now, uh, I, I could see this being one of his songs. And it's been sitting around for a while in various notebooks and demos and things that uh, it just kind of it's been looking for a home. And I needed another kind of up-tempo rocker type song and it just found its way onto this album. And I like this song, and I've had it for a while, and I've liked it for a while. I just haven't quite known what to do with it, didn't quite have the project, and it it just seemed to fit on this album. You know, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, somber moments and slower moments on this album, and this one's just kind of a fun, again, fairly frantic love song type of, type of song, and it just, it just fit, you know, and just kind of, oh, that'll be perfect to sort of raise the mood a little bit there at the top, and... Uh, before we get very sad on the next song, which, uh, you know, I may have to take some time to to re record my thoughts on very specifically, but 
I like this little guitar solo here. Very sort of just nonsense, throwaway, weird, not really even weird, just kind of goofy guitar solo that, you know, uh, a first-year guitar player could have come up with that solo. And I, But I, I love that kind of thing when it's that simple and, you know, and and punky and whatever. And we're, we're coming to the end of this one already, and I'm, I'm not really looking forward to talking about the next one because the next one's sad, but... All my days. That one was fun. Okay. Um, this one's sad. <laughs> We're into sad territory here. It's a Derek Brink album. It was gonna get sad eventually. That, that I made it to track four without getting sad is actually pretty impressive. Repass for John. Uh, my friend John, we... Uh, well, you know what? I did a tribute episode of this show to, uh, to John uh, at the... Uh, well, I guess at the very end of 2021, or start of 2022. I'm not sure exactly when I did that. Um, I'd have to look it up, and as you know from being a fan of the show, I don't do any research. Uh, so I, I, I'm not sure exactly when that was. Uh, but my friend John passed away suddenly at uh, the end of 2021. Uh, just an accident at home. Um... And uh, that was sad, obviously. I mean, it's always sad, but that, that, that just kind of hit me hard. He, uh, he was like a member of the family. And uh, uh, in the days immediately following his passing, his family released a quote of his that I just thought, oh, John didn't know that he wrote you know, a poem here. He didn't know that he wrote a song. And I just took that quote and reshaped it a little bit, and it became the lyrics of this song. Um, and I also, uh, made some references to, uh, he had a celebration of life that, uh, was a very large gathering and, uh, was even sort of, uh, played on, on Facebook, was streamed on Facebook because he had a very popular internet presence and, uh, uh a lot of people watched it that way. A lot of people attended uh, his brother Paul spoke at it, my dad spoke at it, um, and I said to my dad, hey, you did a great job, I never want to see that again, and that's just sort of how I kept feeling about it, but, um, I went to that, and I attended that, and that's how I got COVID, <laughs> I got COVID at a funeral, which is sort of perfect, but before I, I got the symptoms, I, uh, I went, I, I genuinely went home after his, his celebration of life, and sat down and plugged in a guitar and started writing this song. And most of the tracks that you're hearing here are the tracks that I recorded that night. Uh, the drums, the guitars, the bass, everything there. Uh, the stuff that I did later is I, uh, I had a vocal part in place that was just a placeholder and was eh, okay, but this is better. So I redid the vocal and I put in the sort of organ sound that you hear throughout and this is one of those songs that like every part of it has an extra layer of meaning and uh uh i i mean i could get into that but i'll i'll get really bummed out and it'll end up bumming you out we've got a lot of album left to go so i'm not going to do that but from the very first hi-hat click that you hear everything in here is is intentional uh, there's a reason that there are four hi-hat clicks at the start. There is a reason there's too much space between the verses. There's a reason for some of the words that I use uh, very intentionally. Uh, I just wanted, to, just wanted to pay tribute to my friend, man. He, uh, he was ridiculously supportive of me as an artist. He kept plugging my stuff, and, and he was thanked in near if not every set of uh, thank you notes I ever wrote uh, and uh, I, I yeah this song's just kind of my way of thanking him again stylistically you can hear a little bit of the Townsend guitar stuff happening in the background there again uh, I this was the first thing that I really wrote for this project and that kind of that I grabbed a lot of things out of this for the tone of the rest of the of the album and even to the fact of like the lyrics are simple even to the fact of some of the guitar work is very tragically hip influenced and uh yeah this one set a tone for the rest of the album and it gave me permission to get sad but it gave me permission to have a little bit of a hopeful 
feel in there as well because some of the some of the music swells are very hopeful and that's a very bright final chord ah, I got through talking about that uh, I like that song it's just hard for me to listen to and talk about here's a little uh, Irish cowardly love song for you <laughs> called Afraid a little bit of ten whistle there to start it it uh, is noticeable if you are like me and obsess on these things that the ten whistle is slightly out of tune and I don't know how that happened but I've decided to die mad about it uh, it's uh, yeah it's, it's, it's a little Irish love song and you know again a positive take on love but a, a cowardly one in that I mean I, I essentially say in the lyrics that look I like you a lot but I need you to make the first move because I don't know how to do that like that's that's sort of what the song is uh, and uh, that's a very Derek Brink thing. Uh, I, I tell as much of the truth as anything when I when I write things like that. Um, yeah, I, it's not a ton to say about it. Very Irish influenced. Very kind of you know. I don't want to. If I say that it's influenced by Flogging Molly, that's a little bit too. That that suggests that's heavier than it is, and it's not. But. Uh, I mean, just uh, traditional Irish stuff. I mean, l- let's say chieftains or pogues, kind of. Uh, and uh, I've got uh, two drum parts going on here. Sh- that's actually kind of interesting. I've got a drum kit, but I've also got auxiliary percussion going, and that was a fun little thing to try to figure out the balance of, and a pain in the ass to mix, as you might imagine. Uh, <laughs> and um, But I-, I like the song a lot, and I like that it's so... Uh, it starts almost over the top and just very full of instrumentation and it ends with just a acoustic guitar and vocal when it gets a little bit more specific and just kind of is you know more more questioning and more kind of uh i don't know it's it i i i feel like i'm i'm i feel like i'm zeroing in on what i want to say at the end of the song and at that point all the ostentation and all the other stuff kind of drops away and it's just a guitar and a vocal and that's that's intentional uh i'd forgotten i'd done all the background ahs and stuff the background vocals in this one which if i did it right you aren't really paying that much attention to but they're there uh here we are we're at the part where it's just the guitar and and vocal now Worth saying, all the acoustic guitars, well, not all, but almost all of the acoustic guitars on this album were my Parkwood acoustic electric. Not mic'd, just plugged in, because that's that guitar sounds perfect if you just plug it in. It's a great acoustic. It's got a wonderful Fishman microphone system in it that I, I all I need to do is plug it in, and it sounds, you know, like this. Uh, although I did uh, throw some compression on there, I think. Uh, something like that, but I mean that's that's a guitar plugged direct in, and I'm, I've like I, I haven't seen Parkwood guitars out there very often. I got this, I got it at uh, Guitar Center, just sort of on a whim, partially because I went to a church called Parkwood in the '90s, and uh, I just I fell in love with that guitar, and it's it's been one of the best purchases of my music career. I really love that guitar, and it's it's very versatile, and you just plug it in, and it sounds great. That's all you can ask, you know. We're on to a song now where the main guitar you hear on this one is my 12-string Gretsch, my, uh, the one that I call Cross after David Crosby, even though he didn't play the 12-string acoustic, or the uh, 12-string electric, pardon me, in The Birds. He, you know, I think of, when I hear a 12-string electric, I think of The Birds and I think of David Crosby. A lot of people think of The Beach Boys, I think of The Birds. Um, anyway, uh, 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 You're Weird is the name of the song. Uh, this one's about my cats. <laughs> this is about John Quinn McGuire. It's a little love song to my boys. And uh, it's shifting perspective. Some lines are written from the point of view of my cats. Some lines are written from the point of view of me. And the whole thing is just, uh, hey, you're weird. So, like, that, that, that's awesome. You know? <laughs> like, we fit together because you're weird and I'm weird. And, and you know, isn't, this, isn't it nice that we found each other is kind of the thing of it. And it works for me if you think of it as a, a romance type of thing as well. Uh, I, I, you know, if the person you're with isn't a little bit weird, then you're probably with the wrong person uh, because they're not real. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, this one is meant to be about the cats. Uh, I tell you this, I love the organ sound that I ended up with on this one. I uh, I don't remember the setting. I uh, in the actual sound file that I I you know recorded on. I actually have the tracks labeled with the individual like sound pads noted on the track, so I can I can remember it for the future. And I I, I do like the sound quite a bit, so I'm going to go back to it. Uh, influences on this one are difficult there's a lot of uh i mean there's more tragically hip on this one i was very i was in a very tragically hip place when i was writing a lot of this album uh but you know a little bit of the little bit of the birds and that there's that 12 in there and uh oh actually this one the the guitar melody is uh the like the 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 main melody that you hear is a song that or started out as a song that i wrote in high school uh about a girl that i was interested in and it didn't work, uh, so I, I uh, kind of, you know, shelved that song. But I liked the, I liked the guitar progression, so I kept it. And it eventually found its way to here. Although I, uh, uh, I had a moment of panic, like after I had sent out the, the uh, order for the CDs. So like everything was locked. Like I was doing this album, you know, and, and copyrights and all that. Uh, I, sort of one day was thinking about this song and realized, oh fuck, did I already use that progression? Is that the same progression as as in everything on my first album on Grounds? Is that the same progression? <laughs> and just like freaked out and like random, like it was middle of the night and I just woke up thinking that. And I like got out of bed and ran to my computer and uh, found that, found the sound file for everything and played it and went, okay, it's similar, but it's not the same. Thank God. <laughs> I, I didn't use the exact same <laughs> progression and just rip myself off, you know. Uh, although pretty close, there's, but there's a, a couple of very important differences <laughs> that made it okay. But uh, this is the first time I've told anybody that <laughs> is, is on this show. But uh, uh, yeah, I like this song a lot, man. It's just a sweet little song for my cats. And we just got through the, uh, the bridge there. I, I, I like writing bridges. They're sort of their own little song. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I like that, that end part. You're pretty damn weird and that sort of makes you mine. And that, uh, I don't know, that works for me on a lot of levels. That's for my boys. Hi, Jonko. Hi, McGuire. They're in the room. Hi, boys. That was your song. Well, that was one of your songs. You got another song. Yeah, you boys got another song. It's coming up next, actually. You guys want to hang out and, and hear... Oh, they're going. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> that actually just happened. I'm, I'm not... All right. Uh, they've lost interest. The next song is called Forever Home. There's the guitar. Uh, I think that's my Rickenbacker. I think that's my Rickenbacker 360, uh, if memory serves. Mostly electrics are either the Rickenbacker or they're the uh, Telecaster, my American Tele, one of the two. Occasional Strat here or there. I think on the last song I used the Les Paul, but I think this is the Rick. Uh, yeah, this is uh, Forever Home. This is about the cats as well. Probably a little bit more transparently so, especially if you've ever adopted a cat, because I use all of the or a, a pet, even, of any kind, a dog, you know. Uh, I use a lot of the sort of cliché phrases that people who adopt animals use in this song, and uh, that's a little bit intentional, because before I adopted these guys, I hated those phrases. I hated when people said forever home. I hated when people, you know, said uh, uh, who rescued who and stuff like that. I was like, ugh, that's so saccharine and cheesy and stupid. And it is, but it turns out that when you adopt these little guys and you love them and they breathe life into you that you didn't realize you were missing, you kind of feel those things. And uh, uh, so I, I, that's, that just came out, you know, when I was sitting around thinking about these guys, that just started coming out onto the page. And here we are, forever home. And uh, this is a guitar part. This was... When they moved in, the first week that they were here, and I started playing guitar, I was just sort of noodling around, not playing anything too specific, and this guitar part started to come out, and yeah, this is the first thing I wrote with them under my roof, and so it had to be for them. 
and the lyric kind of kind of became about them. Uh, I don't, as far as musical influences, I really don't know what to say about this one, other than the part you're hearing right now, the dun dun dun, is a very Zeppelin-y thing. Uh, but otherwise, I I really don't know what to cite as a reference on this song. Somebody. Somebody email me, email me, in fact, at uh, db at derekbrink.com and tell me what you're hearing, because I, I don't, I can't, uh, can't really place what my own influences were on this one, <laughs> so I don't know, yeah, in the conceit of this show where I'm telling you what pop culture stuff to be interested in, I have no idea what, what band to tell you to check out on, uh, on, on this one, other than in that brief little transitional pre-chorus thing, Led Zeppelin, uh, <laughs> I'm uh, quite pleased with the background vocals on this one. I, I like the very often the way I write background vocals. I do it one of two ways. I either am sitting there listening to the song with the piano in front of me, picking out harmonies, or what happened in this song happened is that uh, I did a mix, a rough mix, just to hear all the different parts and see if the lead vocal was sort of clicking. And uh, uh, I was just listening to it in the car and driving around, and I started you know, singing along with it and started harmonizing with it, and the background vocal came together driving to work one day. And uh, <laughs> that's uh, sometimes that kind of thing happens. I actually had to, when I got into the parking lot at work, I had to take out the voice recorder on my phone and sing it into the voice recorder so I wouldn't forget it later. Because even though it's a fairly straightforward you know, background vocal like anybody might think to come up with this background vocal, I would absolutely forget it <laughs> by the time I went home. So <laughs> I sort of had to do that. And uh, it worked out. You know, I'm, I, I, I like how this background vocal ended up landing. I like the lyrics a lot. It's a very, you know, if you, if you don't know what it's like to, to love your pets, then uh, this is... It's very saccharine and it's very cheesy and it's very stupid. And yeah, absolutely. But you know, if you've got these little critters that you just adore, this one's for you, you know, and it's for me and it's for my boys. They're in the hall now, looking at me. Boys, your your second song's almost over. We're hitting the outro Led Zeppelin part. You guys like that part, I, I think. Oh, and I end on the phrase, you are my home. Because you boys are my home. Wherever you boys are, that's home. They do not care. They're just staring at me. That's okay. Still the best boys. And that was one for the best boys. We're going to take a bit of a more serious turn here. Uh, although this is uh, this is one of those Derek Brink things where the uh, uh, the the sort of vibe of the song sounds a lot happier than it actually is. Uh, <laughs> I do that quite a bit. And this is one of those. This is called The High Road. Um, this is a bummer to talk about, but I, I guess I will. Uh, it's uh, This is a song about my grandma, uh, Grandma Herwick, who uh, passed away at the very start of the pandemic there in 2020. And uh, uh, like the one thing when I think of my grandma and when I think of things people said to me about my grandma while she was still with us, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, yeah, I really should have called more, you know, and I didn't. And, uh, you know, for the longest time, I sort of would say, oh, you know, people, would, oh, you should call your grandma more often. Well, yeah, okay. Or she could call me. She has a phone too. That's a, that's a two way street, you know. And you feel that way for a while uh, until suddenly the other person's gone and you realize, oh, I really should have called more. I don't, you know. And, you know, this song's just sort of walking around in that feeling and in that thought of, you know, yeah, I really should have called more, but, I mean, she could have too, but that's, you know, I'm trying to high road her and there's no such thing as a high road when you could have called more, you know, and, uh, and just sort of the, you know, the realization that, you know, I, I, I'm a shy person, says the guy talking on a podcast across the country and world. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of a shy person, and I, I get... I, I don't love the phone. I really don't. I, 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 just, I get 
nervous and sweaty, I the worst thing you can do is ask me to call someone. And even if I like the person, you know, I, there's a line in here, I really should have stopped in, but I wasn't sure you were waiting for me. That's how I feel anytime I consider stopping in on somebody unannounced. That's how I feel anytime I think about calling someone out of the blue. I just like, I don't they're not going to want to stop what they're doing and talk, you know. And that I, which is absurd because I want to stop what I'm doing and talk to them, you know. <laughs> and I, I know it's not going to be a bother, but that's just sort of how I feel. And uh, it, uh, yeah, in this case, it, it uh, does haunt me a bit. Uh, let's let's get a little bit, you know, happier. The uh, the the music in the song, very drive-by truckers influenced, very sort of. Patterson hoodie, you know, semi-spoken word thing, uh, although not near as southern. But uh, yeah, I, I've had that sitting sitting around for a little bit. That kind of riff and uh, very simple riff, but riff nonetheless. I've had that sticking around for a while, and uh, yeah, it's sort of found its home here with this lyric. And I like this solo. This is a very simple Neil Youngy type of solo that very fuzzy and and very gritty and just very simple. Neil actually probably would have played more than this, but I think of this as my little Neil Young tribute in the middle of my uh, grandma tribute. What a weird album. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, yeah, like, I, I like how this one came together. And, and again, it, it does that thing where it it sounds happier than it is. And those those background vocals certainly sound happier than they are. They're, they could have, you know, you add a little bit more voices and a little bit more lush production to it. Those background vocals could have come right out of Muscle Shoals and, uh, I, uh, uh, you know, the the ahs in particular. I like I like background vocals like that, little ahs and oohs and things like that that, you know, you don't, uh, you maybe don't even notice or think about when you listen to the song, but that's my favorite kind of background vocal. And, uh, yeah, we got through that one, the high road. No such thing as the high road. Don't try to take it. Just pick up the phone. So, uh, yeah, we're in the, uh, part of the album that's a bit gloomy about my family right here, because we are now (laughs) easing into a song called Though You Disappear, which is a tribute to, uh, some aunts of mine, and really that entire side of the family, but, uh, for my entire life, there were four ants, well, I guess most of my life, there were four ants in a little town called Goobertown, Arkansas, who minded the family farm that their their parents had, had had, and uh, it's a family of, you know, 12 kids, and four of the ants ended up living in the house for their, for their lifetime, and, and took care of it, and uh, sadly, uh, the you know, over the years, four ants became three, became two, became one. And this past year, we lost uh, uh, the one remaining ant, who uh, was the last one, kind of, you know, kind of with her name on the deed, I suppose, at the house. And unfortunately, with her passing, uh, the house is going to fall out of, and farm is going to fall out of the family's hands here soon. And uh, uh, that's a sad thing to think about, but. Uh, these things, you know, these things happen. Um, but just because these things happen, that doesn't mean that you can't, uh, you can't write a tribute, you can't remember the good things, you can't, you know, just take a moment or a couple of minutes to memorialize and just be glad that you have the memories. And that's sort of what this song is. It's sort of just saying, hey, this is over. You know, what we had forever is over now but just because you're going doesn't mean that you're gone you know like a part of you is going to live on as long as there's you know family is and as long as the stories get told and i suppose to some extent as long as the songs get sung um and yeah that's that's what this one is it's sort of a tribute to that that side of the family as we've lost so many members of it over the last couple of years and uh, with the family farm, you know, kind of falling out of the family's hands, one of the things that happened is uh, I've come into possession of the piano that sat in the farmhouse for my entire lifetime and much longer. 
Uh, I mean, that piano may be close to 100 years old, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, one of my cousins uh, who had been living in the house contacted me and, and said, hey, do you have any interest in the piano? I said, yes, you know, immediately. It was one of those things where that was sort of when I found out that the house wasn't going to be in the family anymore, but it's also like in that same same sort of contact, I found out, okay, the house is going up for auction and also I'm gonna get the piano and I felt every emotion at the same time. <laughs> it was one of those things that if anyone had been in the room with me, I would have been like, yeah, look, I'm, I'm crying for two reasons. Uh, and <laughs> one of them is kind of happy, the other one's very sad. Uh, but the piano, uh, I arranged for it to get moved here to St. Louis, and it's in my front room right now, and badly needs some repairs and tuning. <laughs> but uh, I, I sort of, I wish I'd had it, uh, well, I don't, I guess I don't really wish I'd had it, but if I'd had it a little bit earlier, it definitely would have been played on this song, or if I had released the album a little bit later, I'd have gotten it tuned, and, and this, it would have been played on this song, and it would have been all too appropriate, but... As it is, the song just sort of stands as a tribute to that side of my family, the Johnstons. And, uh, yeah, it's just sort of what it is. Not a lot to say on the influences of this one either, except at the very end, in the fade-out, as the guitars are, you know, as the guitar solo is happening, I tap into the part of my vocal that is the sort of Jeff Tatey, Queensryche, like right here. Those O's, that's that's Derek's a Queensryche fan. That's what that is. Uh, I'll cop to that. Uh, nothing else about the rest of the album has anything like that on it. But uh, I'm I I'm very pleased with these solos. By the way, I don't. They felt like they came from somewhere else, and we're just sort of different from the type of solo that I normally write, even though, yeah, I can hear the Townsend in there, and I can, you know, stuff like that, but a little bit of the David Gilmore in there, but I, uh, I don't know, I just felt like these solos were, uh, the solos in this song were, were different for me, and, uh, I was very, very happy with them, very pleased when I heard it back, and I just, I, uh, I just thought that they worked really well. And, uh, yeah, we're coming up here on the end of, uh, Though You Disappear, and it's, uh... Someone, someone who listened to this said they heard a little bit of a Bowie vibe in it as well, which is a very wonderful compliment to hear, but I, I really don't hear that. <laughs> if you hear any Bowie in this, please, uh, confirm what my, what my friend said, or, or were they just being polite? Um, yeah, like that song quite a bit. It's another one of those that makes me a little bit sad, but sort of sad in the nostalgic way that ends up happy because you start thinking about the stories. Uh, we're going to move out of the sad. And we're going to move... Uh, I mean, it, it, this one isn't exactly happy, but we're moving away from at least... You know, no one died in this song. Uh, <laughs> this is called You Only Hurt the Ones You Love. And uh, it's... Uh, uh, I mean, there's another one that I can really hear a tragically uh, hip influence on it um it's a uh, uh it's it's a song about i uh i i shoot off my mouth big surprise huh and uh, a lot of times i do so thinking that i'm being funny and it just ends up being you know well stupid or offensive or uh whatever and this is just uh sort of me acknowledging that yeah i I know, I know that about myself, I'm not happy about it, and, you know, usually if I've done that, it's because I, I thought, you know, I thought you were going to be in on it, I thought we were, you know, riffing, or I thought, you know, I thought I was kidding, and you would have laughed at it, and, you know, so often that's not the case, and I find myself having to go, oh, fuck, why didn't I see that from your perspective, you know, and... And that's just sort of what this is. It's, it's an acknowledgement of that and sort of me saying, I'm, look, I'm, I'm, I'm trying and I'm, I'm going to keep trying. You know, that's all any of us can do. And, you know, there's, there's regret in there, obviously. And, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of what this one is. Uh, musically, it's got that little bouncy guitar part in it, that little bouncy, clean electric in there that I 
I like quite a bit, uh, and th which uh, again is just sort of a warm up that I, a single string warm up, sort of hammering warm up that I've been doing for years and years and years, and it finally sort of found its way into a song, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm happy with it. I, I uh, in the production, I like that through the verses. There's no reverb or anything on the vocal and then when you get into the chorus there's a nice little sort of echoey reverb that happens and I, I just sort of I liked that as an effect choice I was I was happy with that when I stumbled into it because I felt like the chorus needed that but I didn't feel like the verse did so it was you know simple enough I mean Occam's razor why don't you just turn it off in the times where it's not needed you know uh, <laughs> so uh, that's what I did uh, yeah, I like this song a lot. I mean, I feel like I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm reaching a point in the album where I've done so much talking. I'm a little bit undercutting, you know, what I want to say about the songs because I, I just feel like there's, I've, I've said so much and, and I've written about these things in a couple of places by now, and you can find that on my website and on the Bandcamp page and and stuff like that. And so it's, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit to you know, keep it new and fresh as well as I'm talking to you in case you've already done that, but, uh, yeah, I like this. I like this little part right here where I have a little bit of a, a little bit of a pause right here. Just a moment to think and consider what I just said and then back in. I, I, I like that as a, as a storytelling technique in the song, which, uh, is not something that, Little moments like that, you don't really, well, or at least I don't, really start out intentionally. I don't sit down and write a song and go, you know what's going to be great in this is a pause. If I just pause, it's like, I don't, I, I don't start there. I don't start with that part of it. I kind of, through multiple playings and through different ideas, I stumble into these things and go, oh yeah, that'd be effective, you know, right here in the lyric where I've just said it could have torn us apart. Just a brief pause to think about, well, what would that have been like? Isn't that awful? And then come back in and and say, look, I'm, I'm, I fucked it up. I'm going to fuck it up again. God knows when, but I'm going to fuck it up again. That rhymed. Uh, but like, you know, I, I'm going to try not to. I'm going to try to fix it when I do, you know, and... And then the chorus is, you only hurt the ones you love, which is me just saying, look, I wouldn't have said it if I didn't care about you, and the fact that I care about you means that I fucked up by by saying it, because if you were a stranger, I wouldn't have taken the risk of trying to be funny. Yeah, so it's a very difficult sort of thing to wrap your head around, but I like the way that one turned out. I like uh, I like the mix on it, I like the strings, and uh, uh, and I, I, I sort of, I like the, the point of the song. We're getting close to the end here. We got two to go. Uh, this song is called Chekhov's Rights, which is uh, where the title track of the album comes from. Actually, I say right up front, uh, getting right to the fact there's a problem in the third act, and that sort of led to third act problems being the title of the album. Uh, this song is you—you uh, you won't believe it, but uh, this is about gun control. <laughs> Big surprise, I'm a liberal, and I've got a, an opinion on guns. Uh, and it's, it's, it's done, most of the song, I'm speaking in theater terminology to sort of very barely mask what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'm using, you know, theater terms and to talk about the problem. Uh, why it's called Chekhov's Rights uh, is uh, Anton Chekhov, the playwright, uh, introduced a concept that over the years, got eventually became the concept of Chekhov's gun, which, very simply stated, is if someone introduces a gun in the first act, it should be fired in the third act. That's sort of what Chekhov's gun is about. And so this is a song about guns, and it's about Chekhov's rights, and how, uh, boy, all the guns are getting fired, you know? And that's, uh, that's sort of what this song is. Uh, stylistically, you'd be... Uh, you'd be surprised to find out that there's a little bit of Sufjan Stevens in here, even though I'm not a big Sufjan fan. I like the one album that you're supposed to like, and the rest of it, just not for me. Uh, sorry, if you love Sufjan, nothing against you, but, you know, I, uh, uh, Sufjan is, is to me what, uh, Sleepy Time Tea is to the, uh, uh, <laughs> 
to the Insomniac. Um, sorry. Uh, sorry. I, I like the Illinois album. I like the Come On Feel the Illinois album. Uh, but, yeah, the rest of it's just not for me. But a little bit of his influence on this. A little bit of... Uh, uh, you'd again probably be a little bit surprised to hear that in my head there's a little bit of a Rufus Wainwright influence on this, but there's also sort of a DBT Isbell thing creeping in on this, and uh, yeah, just all over the place. A bunch of my influences combined into one place here, and there's a uh, you you might not even be able to hear it, but there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of an echo on one of the guitar parts that's very U2. Uh, and I, I've said, I think I even said on the show recently, if you hear me using a, an echo effect on a guitar, that's because I'm a U2 fan. And I just love how Edge works his effects. And, like, one of the first guys to really play his effects, like he did and, and does. And that's a big influence on me. Uh, and just a, a guitar solo here. That, I, I, that guitar solo I actually recorded while there was... Uh, uh, a guy here working on my bathroom. He was you know, sort of working on the bathroom, and I was working on this guitar part, and I laid down the track, and he was here, and I just kind of stopped him for a second. I said, hey, does this sound okay? And I played it back to him, and he was like, yeah, that's really cool. And I went, okay, cool. So that 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 guitar solo is there because uh, uh, a contractor liked it. <laughs> it's that simple. Uh, boy, we got through that one. That uh, that's that's I think the shortest song on the album, and it certainly felt like it there. I feel like I didn't say anything. Um, <laughs> we are now coming into uh, I think the longest song on the album, "Indelible," which uh, that, that's one of those titles that the title of the track does not come from anywhere in the track that it makes sense for it to have come from. It uh, <laughs> it just it's a throwaway line and uh, almost a throwaway line that became the title. Um, uh, this one, boy, the influences are all over the place. Uh, I'm gonna cop to the drum intro. The kind of very Tom heavy drum intro is uh, intentionally uh, kind of a Rich Mullins vibe from like his song "I See You." Uh, if anybody's familiar with Rich Mullins, which fewer and fewer people are every year, and I understand that, but, uh, like that, you know, that was there. Um, again, a lot of Tragically Hip in this, a lot of, uh, a lot of U2 and some of the echoes that are happening, and, uh, a lot of a lot of things. <laughs> there's, there's some, there's some Who and Townsend in there, there's some, uh, other things that I'm forgetting right now. There's actually a surprising amount of Amy Mann in it, which you wouldn't probably think. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I love this song a lot. It means a lot to me. It, this was the first one that I, uh, other than uh, Repass, this is the first one that I really started recording for the album, and it's the last one that I finished. It was difficult. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm very happy with how it turned out, and I like this, uh, I like the guitar riff in this a lot. I'm in an open C tuning on the main guitar. I'm happy with it. Uh, the bass part is uh, a bass part that I used to play in the 1990s in a song by my band Union Jack that was called The Letter. I uh, was listening to the guitar part and noodling around on the bass trying to find something and just started playing that semi-intentionally. I just sort of heard it in there and went, does that work? And I started playing it. And uh, fell in love with it, and reached out to the guitarist in Union Jack, who originally wrote the letter. Even though I wrote the bass part, he wrote the the main structure of that song. And uh, just said, "Hey, would you mind if I used that? Because you wrote the original song." Hi, Mark, if you're listening, by the way. And he wrote back and very kindly said, "You wrote the bass part, man. Use it if you want to." You know, and it was very nice of him, and we had a nice, you know, short chat. And uh, he's a good guy, and. Uh, uh, really like to get into a room with you, Mark, and, and plug in the guitars soon if we can. Um, yeah, I just this song just came together from a variety of different places and influences and ideas and shaped itself into what you hear. And it's one of my favorite things I've written in a very long time. It's my favorite thing I've written certainly since uh, Denouement off of Happy Now. But it's uh, it's also just like career pieces that I've written. This is 
This is right up there. This is right up there at the top of the list. I, I really love this song a lot. And uh, it's worth saying, uh, earlier when we were listening to You and You Alone, I was, you know, I, I, I said, and I went a, almost a bit out of my way to say that uh, uh, I was not purposely writing that one about God. Um, but this one I was. This one was very intentionally about God. And sort of, you know, how do we fix this now? Is sort of the recurring phrase in the song. And uh, sort of, it's sort of a challenge, and it's sort of a request, and it's sort of a demand. It's sort of, you know, acknowledging, hey, you've got to hold up your end too, you know, you know, sort of that. And But at the same time, it's sort of asking more than it is telling, I think is what I was going for. And this bridge, if you open up the door, I'm running through for sure. Uh, that's, uh, there's a conflict in there, but there's also hope. And that's, uh, that's something that is often missing from my songs. I often do conflict very well, but I miss out on the hope. And there's, uh, there's conflict mixed with hope quite a bit on this album. No more so than on this song. Another very simple guitar solo here. Not a lot to this guitar solo, but I'm, I'm happy with it. And actually this guitar solo here starts entering a Rick Nielsen-y place. That, uh, so let's add Cheap Trick to that list too. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, uh, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just thrilled with the way this song came together. I'm, you know, just, it seemed to come from everywhere and, and fall into one place. And it was, uh, I'm just very happy with it. So you can hear in the back that very Rick Nielsen. That's that's a Rick Nielsen guitar part, and uh, with all the other stuff happening around it, you know. I like that song a lot. Indelible. It's one of my favorites. And we're we're getting into the fade out here, back into those those toms, those kind of thunder drums a little bit. That. Again, very much a Rich Mullins vibe in the drums, and last words, last words of the album. There, are, I, you know, I hope you hear me. There's, you know, the word hope is right in there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, like that song a lot. That one means a lot to me, on a number of levels, and I like this little fade out because it fades out a little bit at a time and kind of apart at a time, and uh. I don't know. I just feel like it worked. <laughs> I just feel like this one worked in every way. It was difficult to structure. It was difficult to structure initially and to sort of figure out how much time to give everything, but I... This is one of the handful of examples of like, oh, that, that sounds exactly how it was supposed to sound in my head. You know, that worked out okay. If you want this uh, drum part to be also Five Years by David Bowie, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Whatever works for you. Okay, checkmates, that was Third Act Problems. I hope I succeeded in talking over it just enough that you want to now go download it so you can hear what the hell I was talking about. Uh, I like doing stuff like this. Thank you for allowing me to. I know this uh, type of thing isn't everybody's cup of tea, but hopefully you got a couple things out of it anyway. Uh, this, I mean, this whole podcast is low-key just me promoting my music career, and sometimes it's more transparent than others. This one was a very transparent one. Um, I don't have a lot to add. I considered sitting here and just reading the booklet to you, reading the thank you list and all the other stuff that's in it, but then what, uh, what, what drive do you have to, to get a copy of the CD if I do that? Um, <laughs> and also I don't have one on hand, so that's, that's okay. Uh, thanks a lot for listening to this. Uh, I guess the one sort of throwaway sort of joke that I've been making that I haven't said yet on this particular episode is that, uh, uh, yeah, this one's called Third Act Problems, and if I, uh, end up adopting another cat at any point, I'm gonna have to release an EP called Third Cat Problems, because act and cat are, uh, acronyms of each other. It's not a great joke. Most people don't even realize that it's a joke. They just kind of look at me. Uh, and that's fair. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't read as a joke. It's not, not funny. And yet I keep saying it. 
And I, I think every time I say it, I think it's going to be funny. And then it's just not. And uh, maybe that falls into you only hurt the ones you love. But a lot of you listening, uh, no offense, don't even know you. So uh, that ain't it. Go download my fucking record or whatever at DerekBrink.Bandcamp.com. I think you'll have a good time with it. I very much enjoyed talking to you about it. And, uh, you know, I can't say this about most of my stuff. I can say this about the uh, Vonnegut album, Asterisk. And uh, I can say this about uh, Departure. I really enjoyed listening to this album. I don't feel that self-conscious listening to it. And that uh, that's nice. That's a nice feeling to have. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it, too. If you were unable to... Uh, put up with listening to it in this format. I hope that you will download it at at, uh, DerekBrink.Bandcap.com and you'll listen to it there. In the meantime, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your patience. We'll be back with a normal episode next week. Uh, Dave and I are also gearing up for a Fab 15 soon and those are always a lot of fun. Uh, So uh, be on the lookout. You're going to get some stuff soon. Uh, Thanks. Thanks, Checkmates. Thank you. Uh, I don't. I don't feel like I said the word checkmates correctly. Thanks, checkmates. Uh, I've been drinking Guinness this whole time, and it's starting to get to me. Uh, thank you, checkmates. I really appreciate your attention. I really appreciate your time. Uh, please remember that COVID nineteen and a variety of other illnesses are still out there. Uh, do what you need to do to keep yourself and your loved ones safe and healthy. Uh, within reason, don't, you know, go nuts, but, like, (laughs) take appropriate precautions. (laughs) I need to come up with a better way to say that part at the end, but I know how to say all the rest of this. Outside of what I just said, please remember that black lives matter, that LGBTQIA plus rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, and I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. And checkmates... Be good to each other, be good to yourself, forgive each other, and forgive yourself. And while you're doing all that, check us out next time. Come on, third cat problems? Huh? Huh?